0: You have your Bible there with you today. Let's turn to the 22nd chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Today we'll be reading from verse 63 to the end of the chapter. 71. Let me read it to you. Now, the men who held Jesus mocked him and beat him. Having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who was the one who struck you? And many other other things they blasphemously spoke against him. As soon as it was day, the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, came together and led him into their council, saying, If you are the Christ... Tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not by any means believe. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. And they all said, Are you then the Son of God? So he said to them, You rightly say that I am. And they said, what further testimony do we need? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. Amen. You know, oftentimes we have been so Christianized that if you would ask any small child, I guess here in Finland in school, maybe not that small, but maybe, you know, about Jesus, the first thing they'll say, especially if they've been to Sunday school, is he died for our sins. And we often forget that there is a process. It wasn't just that Jesus came, was born, lived, had his ministry, and then they kind of plucked him and stuck him on the cross, and then he died, and they put him in the ground, and then he was again. But there was a process. And on that night... This terrible dark night. The night that Jesus called darkness's night. The the evil's night. The night that belonged to evil. It was their moment. It was Satan's moment. It was that fulfillment of the prophecy where the serpent shall strike the heel. We forget that he had to go through these things. Now the Bible tells us in a, to get a fuller picture you must put together the other Gospels. Matthew, Mark and John together with Luke. To get a fuller picture. Jesus goes through six six court cases in two different stages. One the religious stage that Had no real meaning, had no power, had no authority, had no authenticity. And then his legal stage before Pilate, before Herod, before Pilate again. And here in this time, we've seen that Jesus has been illegally arrested. Remember the 600 plus soldiers that turned up in the garden and arrested Jesus? They took him by force. They seized him and they bring him back, the Bible tells us, to the house of the high priest. An absolutely illegal thing to do. They they were to bring him to the courthouse. They were to bring him to a holding cell, a jail, so that he might be able to face his accusers in the light of day. Yet none of that happens. They, They secret him away. And they bring him to the house of the high priest. We know that it was Aeneas, the actual high priest, not Caiaphas, the son or the son-in-law of the high priest. The Bible tells us that Jesus was bounced back and forth between Aeneas' house and Caiaphas' house. They took turns at interviewing him. Look. Kind of summarizes it. He squeezes it all together. That during these these interrogations, where Jesus was challenged and pulled apart, and they they brought false witness after false witness to try and come and indict Jesus. Time and time again. But the false witnesses could never agree. They could never get their story straight. And they could never find anything that was worth charging him over. And finally as day is coming. As it's getting closer and closer to the break of day. And they're in a rush. They have to get these things done as quickly as possible. So the people don't find out. And so that they can get on with the business of making money. We're told that the the guards here in Luke, we're told that the guards, they put a bag over Christ's head or blindfolded him in some way. And they made sport of him. Again, highly illegal. Remember, it wasn't just a bunch of thugs that arrested Jesus, it was the official police. If you remember from the last time when we looked at when Jesus was in the garden, it was the official army that appeared to arrest Jesus. The, the, the cohort part of the legion that was stationed in Jerusalem. And the temple police. The highest authorities in the land. It wasn't just a bunch of bad men. We're talking about the police turned up. And now in this case it's the police that are abusing Jesus. Unjust and terrible. You know, in that, on that day of, of judgment, will anyone ever be able to say to Jesus, you don't know what it was like to be unjustly treated. You never suffered the hardships that we suffered or the betrayals. You, you don't know what it's like. Beloved, no man suffered ever as Jesus suffered. He is, was, is the Messiah, the chosen one of God. He who God sent to save his people, the Redeemer. And the very ones he came to save, the very ones he came to serve. Indeed, many of these people may have received healing from his hands or knew someone who had received healing from his hands had benefited in some way by his ministry. And yet their hearts are so hardened. They're so embittered. They're so enraged. They're so carried away with what, with what is happening that their blasphemy, their revulsion, their repelling, their rejecting of Jesus is coming to its fullness. We're seeing what's in the hearts of men whenever darkness gets a hold of them. Someone so innocent, so good as the Lord Jesus Christ, someone so undeserving, being treated so badly. He did not deserve their anger or their ire. He did not deserve the wickedness or the blasphemy. Yet there is this overflow. And then we come to the the daybreak, the Sanhedrin. In Israel, they had a ruling court of 71 elders. Men who were given the job to rule the country or administrate. They were like the highest judges in the land. We would think of them as our our um, Riksdagen. they were they were the, uh, the, the the politicians of their time, the most powerful people in the country, and they were called together at daybreak again, highly illegal. It was not legal for them to do so. They then have a mock court where Jesus is not given the chance. To defend himself or even given the chance to produce witnesses. And no witnesses called against Jesus. By their own law they needed two or three witnesses in agreement beyond any shadow of a doubt in order to convict them. And they have none. They either needed a confession or a, an iron class case and they had Neither. Now, look in his gospel and in his account, he boils it down for us. He doesn't tell us about all the details that were going on. Now, please remember that Jesus was held most likely from about midnight to around six or five thirty in the morning by these religious courts illegally held. And during that time, they abused him and they beat him and they mocked him and they produced liars to lie about him. He has been awake now for a day. He he has gone through the the stress and the trial of the garden, thoroughly exhausted. Look, boiling it down, he comes and he, he tells us the main charges What was the main issue that the Jews had with Jesus? And he breaks it down into these two questions. The first question they ask is, tell us if you are the Christ. The second question, of course, are you the son of God? And friend, there have never been two more relevant questions. They were relevant then, they are as relevant today. They are the questions that all people everywhere must ask of Jesus. Is he the Christ and is he the Son of God? There are, you will answer many questions in your life, but there will be no question that is more important than these two questions. The answer. You see you and I when we think of Christ or Messiah we think of a religious term. So Christianized have we been that we think of a religious term. We think of God help us this kind of ridiculous image. We think of a a, a quietly broken man, you know, oh. But for the Jews when you use the word Christ or Messiah you are saying conqueror. You were saying King, Sovereign, Master, Lord. Are you the one whom God has sent to rule the world? To bring all creation under your authority. To make God will make them your footstool. We have a small definition of Christ. The Jews understood it in its context. They're asking him, are you the one sent by God to rescue us? Are you the one sent by God whom we must serve? Must we bow the knee to you? Must we recognize that you are our king over us? And the natural man rebels. The natural man says, I have no master, I have no king, I stand alone. No one tells me what to do, except, of course, in corona time. No one, no one can force me to do anything I don't want to do, of course, except in corona time. The human being has an overinflated opinion of itself and, and doesn't like Having to bow the knee. We live in a time where we don't have sovereigns. We had this discussion last week, I think it was, that Finland almost had a king at one point. But he had to go back because Germany lost the war. But we live in a land where we don't have kings. Uh, A dear friend of ours used to say that Finland was a peasantry country. It was a country ruled by peasants. That rejected, didn't want to have a king. A socialist country ruled by socialists. I think it's less and less. Or maybe, I don't know. They asked the question, are you the Christ? And all of us must ask that question of Jesus. Or indeed, is we must answer it for ourselves. Is Jesus the Christ? Do you recognise him as the one whom God has sent on your behalf to rescue you, to redeem you, to lift you out of the control and power of this dark world, to set you up, to protect you? See, the Jews... They were content in their slavery to Rome. The Jews used to boast and they did remember, I don't know if you remember, that when they, uh, Jesus was having a conversation with the Jews or the, the, the Jewish leaders and they accused him of being, he said that you are of your father, the, the devil. And they said, oh. And he said that they were slaves to sin. And they said, we have been no man's slave, which was ridiculous. Because the whole nation was held under slavery. The whole nation was held under the power of Rome. That they were under the control of Rome. But they would choose Rome over Christ. Are you the Christ? Again, we have such a small definition. We think of a religious icon. Something far and distant, but for the Jews, they knew that that meant that they must bow the knee, that they must accept his lordship. The kiros, the the master, the sovereign, the emperor, the one who has absolute control over their life. We must accept him as Christ. Because he is. It's not whether you choose to have him. I choose Jesus as my Lord and Savior. We used to pray that when we were Pentecostals. You know, Lord, I I choose you as my Lord. But he is Lord. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Master. The King of all the earth. Well heavens and earth. So it's not a case. Do we choose him? Like we give him some sort of gift or we elect him as our sovereign. He is. It's whether we submit to his lordship, we submit to his kingship. You are commanded by God to bow the knee. You're commanded by God. Repent of your sins, of your, your godlessness, of your life without him, of living a life that's you-centered and not him-centered. We are called to recognize that by ourselves we cannot please God. That by ourselves and in ourselves we are still under what the Bible calls the curse of Adam. See, when Adam sinned, he died spiritually. It ended his relationship with God in a perfect sense. And all of Adam's children, all of the descendants of Adam, afterwards inherited that fallen nature. Inherited that sinful nature, which is in opposition to God. That always stands against and always rebels. And by ourselves, we have no way of compensating God. We have no way of repairing that broken relationship. From our side, it's all done. God must come and rescue us. God must come and restore us. God must come and do that which we could not and cannot do. And it is done. Remember what is written above my head in big golden and letters. It is finished. Christ has purchased salvation for his people. Now all people everywhere are called to repent. All people everywhere are called to seek him. The question is, is he the Christ? Beloved, if Jesus is not the Christ, then there is no other. He paid the price. Poured out his life. Jesus' answer is very revealing. If I tell you, you will by no means believe. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Jesus answers them, neither yes nor no. Neither positive nor negative. Why? Because he's already demonstrated through his life, through the miracles, through his words, time and time again. And here in this portion He said, what's the point of telling you? You already know. They knew that he was the Christ. And yet, they did not care. They just simply wanted an opportunity to accuse him of something. Isn't it really interesting to notice that, that human beings... Will not believe. Even if Jesus was to come and appear to someone and to tell them, I am the Savior, I am the Christ, God sent me to rescue humanity. And Jesus is saying here, even if I was to tell you that, you wouldn't believe. So deep was their depravity, so dark was their willful unbelief. Though they knew the truth, they chose not to believe it. They had hardened their hearts, and deafened their ears, and closed their eyes, and they had made up their mind, no, no, no. Sadly, as they were, so many are today. They see Christ. Clearly portrayed before their eyes. They, they have opportunity through the scriptures. It has been made clear to them. The Holy Spirit has spoken to them. Yet still in their stubbornness. In their depravity. In their total rejection of him. They close their eyes and clench their fists and grind their teeth. And they say no. It may not appear that extreme. There may be just simply a, a shrugging off. Eh, eh. I have other things in my life that are more important than Christ. My, my life is too big to fit Jesus in. It is so sad that so many today continue in this unbelief. Continue in this. They're too busy for Christ. They're too. Just too much. I've got too much on my hands at this present moment. I can't cope. I don't want it. The Sanhedrin and the Jews of his time. They didn't want Jesus. And sadly again. There are so many of our day who are like that. But beloved, Christ calls us to repentance. You see, in verse 69, Jesus gives them a warning. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. He's pointing them, he's alluding to a, a, a son. The Lord said to my Lord, sit here, until I put all of your on my right hand side, until I put all of your enemies. It's a footstool. It's your footstool. He's telling them that you may be judging me at this point. You may be putting me aside. You may be condemning me at this point. But let me tell you, there is coming a moment, a day, a, a time. When in the condemnation that you have condemned me, you will be condemned. In the unbelief that you have shown me, all of the injustices, all of the rejection shall be made right. And as Jesus is warning the Sanhedrin of his day, the, the Jews, the guards, the people around him. That warning filters down for all ages, to all men, to all peoples. That Jesus Christ sits upon the throne. And when he returns, he returns not as the lamb, not, not as humble, meek, and mild Jesus, but he comes as the lion of Judah. He comes as the, the conqueror. He who is seated upon the white stallion. The conqueror. The Bible says that all knees shall bow. All tongues confess. When he comes next time, he will come to judge the living and the dead. There will be no escape of it. Do not think that you can just shrug Jesus off. Do not think that you can just neglect your spiritual condition and get away with it. Well, I don't believe. It doesn't mean anything to me. Jesus has been clearly portrayed before your eyes. One day. One day you will stand before him. And the Bible says all the books... All the records of heaven to do with you will be opened. And every thought, word and deed laid bare before all of humanity. And everyone will see and everyone will know your true and real condition before God. And the judge of all the earth will do what is right. He will pass judgment. And to those that have rejected him, to those that have not believed upon him... They will receive condemnation and judgment. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, into everlasting fires prepared for the devil and his angels. And there shall they suffer day and night for forever, in darkness and flame with the gnashing of teeth, where the worm never ceases to eat. It is a place of torment. Is a place of justice and judgment. Beloved, Christ offers you. He is laid before you. Believe in him. Receive him as your Christ. Receive him as your Messiah. Bow the knee. Acknowledge him. Recognize him. You might say to me, well, I don't know if I can. And I remember that. I was a 16-year-old man, boy, man, boy, when the Lord saved me. I was in high school. And I remember when Christ was clearly portrayed before my eyes as the Messiah. That it was Jesus who was keeping me from heaven. That all of my sin and all of my unbelief, because I considered myself a good guy. I didn't think I was the worst of the worst. I thought I was pretty good and handsome with hair. But when Christ was clearly portrayed before my eyes, that my perfection, my goodness had to be as perfect as his perfection. My goodness as good as his goodness. That I had to be perfect in word, thought and deed. Sinless to gain access into heaven. Well then I understood I was never getting into heaven for my sin though I was so young was great was dark I saw clearly that my heart was unbelieving and I could not would not bow the knee and I remember crying saying Lord Jesus help me for I don't know I can't do this Jesus I can't do this help me help me And as I prayed and asked Christ for help, I received that help and faith was born within me. I looked upon Christ and saw that he died for me and I believed in him and I received that salvation. And he changed my heart forever from unbelieving to believing from a person who is self-centered to one who is Christ-centered, from being a rebel to being a citizen and a follower of heaven. Oh, beloved, look unto Jesus. Don't allow your unbelief to lie to you and to fool you, betray you, and to say that your darkness is too dark, your sin is too great, Your unbelief too complete. Cry unto Jesus. For he has said that he shall never turn away. Nor reject anyone who comes to him. Let me ask you the question. Is he the Christ? Is he your Messiah? Is he your saviour? For if he's not, one day you must stand in the court of heaven. And answer for your own sins. On that day when I must stand in the court of heaven, all of my sins, all of the unrighteous things that I have done that are stand in condemnation against me. When the judge of all the earth asks, how do you plea? I know that there will one, be one there who will stand for me, who will speak for me. He will Intercede for me. No, Father, not this one. For this is one for whom I died. See the blood upon him. See the precious seal of my sacrifice upon his heart. Father, not this one. This one is saved, pardoned, set free. And I will depart not into the. Hellfire prepared for the devil and his angels. But I shall enter into heaven's land for eternity. And there be with Christ and the people of God in blessed fellowship. Never again will I know unbelief or fear or pain or tears or anguish. But the blessedness of heaven will be mine. Beloved, is he your Christ? Is he the one who will stand on the last day and speak for you? Or must you speak for yourself? Will you defend yourself before God? Will you bring all of your good deeds? Count them. Count all of your righteousness. Count all of your goodness. What can you bring before God that will please him? that will satisfy his need for justice. Can you live a perfect, righteous life in word, thought and deed? Never getting angry at the kids or at the wife or the parents. Never being selfish. Never being proud. Never looking with an immoral eye at a man or a woman. Do you think you will be able to come before God and bring all of your good deeds to Him? Indeed, the Bible says that all of our good deeds are like filthy rags. And that's a and, and in the original, that's a terrible expression, filthy rags. It's like dirty diapers. All of your goodness are like dirty diapers. Could you imagine going to the one that you love or, you know, or... or should I say, going to the court of the highest court in the land. You, you've been fined and you're going to them and saying, I like to pay my fine bags of dirty diapers. Or going to the bank, having to pay off your house loan or whatever and saying, I like to pay off my house loan in, in dirty diapers. Really dirty diapers. They would look at you like you're mad. They wouldn't accept them. And yet we think somehow in some way that we'll be able to justify ourselves before God. That we'll be able to say to him, look it's okay, I wasn't that bad. Think on that. Because it's not just your sin, it's the sin of Adam. You died in Adam. Your condemnation is complete in Adam When Adam fell, all of his descendants fell. And the fact that we sin is evidence that we are in Adam. The Bible says that the soul that sins shall die. It is the judgment for unbelief and rejection and rebellion against God. Let me ask you, is he your Christ? He is my Christ. He is the one whom God sent to rescue me from the judgment that is to come. He is the one who came with all of his power, majesty and might and lifted me up from death unto life. Is he your Christ? Or are you your Christ? In whom do you put your trust Who do you look to, to be your strength? Who is your king? Who is your sovereign? Or are you by yourself? The Bible says you're not by yourself. The Bible says that you are still the slave of sin. You are the slave of Satan. You are in his kingdom. You are under his control. When he says jump, you say how high? Do not kid yourself. Do not be deluded in thinking that you are free. You know no freedom. The Bible says the Son shall set you free. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There is no freedom in slavery. There is no freedom in sin. He who sins as a slave to sin. And still under the condemnation of the devil. Is he your Christ? And then they ask the second question. Are you the son of God? And Jesus answers. You rightly say that I am. Or another translation says. Certainly as you say I am. We recognize him as the christ our king our messiah our savior our redeemer but also we must recognize him not just as a man but as god and this was their real problem with him that he was they felt that he was saying that he was god or was on par with god which was completely correct they understood exactly what he was saying We must recognize that Jesus Christ is just more than a man and that our relationship with relationship with him must go beyond that of a relationship with a normal person. He is our God. Think on that. He is our God. We must worship him. We must follow him. We must Be absolutely surrendered to his will. You cannot resist God. Indeed, their problem was that if he was God, they must worship him. And they did not want to worship him. Remember, they're the elite. They're the well-dressed bishops and cardinals and popes. Whatever they were, in their finery, their gold or big robes. With their high IQs and their master degrees and whatever else they had. And here's Jesus, a carpenter's son. Now, we we use the word carpenter, snake, and we make it nice. You know, he, he made chairs and tables. But the original use of the word means laborer, one who dug the ditches in order that they might build a house the basic worker. In Ireland, we call them labourers, the ones who don't have any skills and they just do the heavy lifting work. They're not the, the fine building people. They're the ones who dig the holes, carry the wood, lift the bricks. Jesus, if we understand the original, wasn't even a a skilled labourer. And I'm not saying he didn't have skills. But he was the least of the least. He was the man who the, the, the skilled workers have as their helper. And here's Jesus claiming to be God before these men. How they must have despised him. He's the absolute Opposite of everything they wanted to be. Indeed, he even came from Nazareth. And we all know that they hated Nazareth. It was a disgusting place full of half-castes, as they would say. And yet, he is God. And they must worship him. You must worship him. You are commanded to worship him. I'm not saying what we do like crazy people out there in the world do. Or crazy church will end. Fall down. You see it on YouTube or whatever else. But there has to be heartfelt. There has to be the involvement of the person. There does have to be emotions involved in worship. There does have to be the recognising of who he is and the adoration of who is, it can't be just words. It can't be just acknowledging. you we say, well, Kyle, we're Finns, and we don't really do things like that, you know. You Irish people with all of your emotions. Maybe it's easy for you Irish people, because we just kind of gush out emotions. But we Finns, you know, we're much more respectable quiet people. We keep it inside. It's fine. I'm not asking you to explode with Irish-like emotions. But to be engaged in worship. We're not looking for uh, the overflow of wild and crazy. The Bible tells us that worship should be orderly. But there should be adoration. There should be exaltation. There should be the engaging and it shouldn't have to come from a stimulus outside poking you like you're, you take some worship drug and all of a sudden oh, yes. you're all, wow, for five minutes happy and lifting up your hands. Your stimulus comes from the understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done for you and what he is doing for you and what he will do for you. Your worship comes from that one From the once you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and now you are alive to God. When you consider all of the people in Finland or all throughout the world who do not know Him, who do not know the way of salvation, beloved, think of the millions, or is it billions in India who do not know Him, or in China. Who do not have the opportunity or the freedom to gather together like this and worship. And yet here you and I are with our Bibles and our phone Bibles. And the liberty to sing and to clap and to praise and to worship. The fact that in this life we have been granted great freedom. But yet in the life that is to come. He has saved us and we will gather before him. Will you begin to worship when you're in heaven? or Will you begin to worship now? Beloved, worship him. He is God. When he says the son of God there, are you on power with God? Are you equal with God? Certainly, as you say, it is I am. Is Jesus more than just a hobby to you? Is Jesus more than just an add-on to your life? Something that you do on certain days, or is he your God? We think of the church throughout the ages. We think of those who have laid down their lives for the faith, the martyrs who have that glorious army that have given their lives for Christ. Do you think that they gave their lives just because you know it was required? They, they would not bow the knee to injustice and blasphemy in false religion and they stood For truth. And they stood because they believed that Christ was their God, and they knew that He that is with us is greater than He who is with the world. And they would not bow the knee, and they were not afraid to give their lives and allow their blood to be poured out or to be burned at the stake. Not because they were superhuman beings, but because they believed that Christ was their God. And that was worth standing for, living for, and dying for. If Christ is not your God, you will falter and fail. If you do not the Bible says, if you do not know what you stand for, you will not stand in the day of trouble. If you are not rooted and anchored in the truth, when the storms And the hardships and the temptations and the trials of life come. You will be all over the place. When we declare that Jesus Christ is our God, we believe that everything in our life is under his control. The good and the bad, all things and all times are under his control. He is our sovereign He's not just a, a, a picture on a wall. A memory. Someone far and distant. He is here together with us today. By his spirit. Beloved. Let me ask you again. As these men ask Christ. Is he the Christ? Is he the son of God? That is probably the most important pair of questions you'll ever be asked. Your answer to those questions will decide and define your future, future here on earth and your future in eternity. How you respond to those questions will either rescue you or condemn you. Let's not just be as these men who were just seeking a, a reason to condemn Jesus. Aha! Aha! Indeed, when he acknowledged they were saying the right thing, they took that as a reason to condemn him. They took that as a reason to take advantage of the situation and try and do away with him. They thought that they would gain advantage over him. They did not understand that by doing so they were condemning themselves. They were bringing themselves under the judgment of God. Let's remember what happens. We know the end of the story. Jesus is resurrected. He rises from the grave. Could you imagine the Panic of these men three days hence, three days afterwards. And they've done all they can do to make sure that you know, nobody can steal the body. You know, they think, ha, we've got rid of him. He's all gone. This man who declared himself the Christ. This man who thought himself to be the Son of God, on power with God. God. They sealed, remember, they sealed the tomb. They put clay all around it and they put guards outside it who, on punishment of death, wouldn't allow anyone in or out. And yet Jesus rose from the grave. Could you imagine the panic? Could you imagine that what what have we done? We must. How would you respond? That you and I, we know that the end of the story. And as we knew what happened, that Jesus rose from the grave. He said, I'll be back. And he came back. The Bible tells us that he will be back again. That he is returning. We do not know the day or the no date. But time. The Bible says that he is returning. And if he was correct about his crucifixion, correct about his resurrection, correct about his ascension, beloved, I would say... His track record dictates that he's right about his return. And when he returns, he shall judge the living and the dead. Who will speak for you? Will you speak for yourself? Will you stand as your own defendant in the court of heaven, bringing forth all of your good works to prove that you deserve to go to heaven? All of your best intentions? Or will there be one who stands for you? One who steps before you and says, this one is forgiven. I died for this one. My seal is upon this one. This one's punishment is paid for. He need not bear it. Beloved, it is my prayer that you would know the joy of sins forgiven that you would know the joy of confessing Christ and acknowledging him as your God, of having that changed heart and of the peace that comes from knowing him. Beloved, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us Lord, we who are believers and have trusted in you, we ask, O God, that you would help us to continue and to grow in the knowledge that you are Christ and the and the full meaning of that, that Lord we would receive you as our Lord, that you would govern us, and that we Lord would follow your your teachings and your laws. And that we would honour you with our, with our lives. Lord, before men and before angels. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to remember that you are God. And to live in such a way, in such boldness, in such bravery. To understand that you are, you are to be worshipped. You are to be adored. You are to be acknowledged. That we can trust you in every shape, form and fashion. Father, for those who do not know you, we ask, O God, that you would open up their eyes, that they would see their sin, and that they would know their need for a saviour. And Lord, that you would give them no peace until they come to he who is the Prince of Peace. Father, we do ask this for your glory, and your glory alone, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.